0: We're going to look at Sarah and Abraham, but we're going to begin with Abraham. And there's three things about Abraham's faith I want us to see together. The first is this, that he worships God. He bows down low to God. These three men was what is known as a Christophany with most likely two angels. We know that because of the way Abraham addresses them and the way he addresses himself. And we're going to get a little bit more into that. But here he is worshiping. He's a, he's a man who worshiped God. He's also a man to served God. We see him scaring about and making sure their needs were provided for. And finally, we see a great passion about the things of God. Abounding in Faith is the broadcast ministry of Emmanuel Bible Church of Howell, New Jersey. If you are blessed by this message, please subscribe to our podcast or YouTube channel. You can also download our app by searching for IBCNJ in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. For more information, please visit us at www.ibcnj.org. Our speaker today is Senior Pastor Joe Swazo. So for those of you who have been journeying with us the last few weeks and for those who have been Visiting or are visiting today, we're going through a series on the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. We went through the beginnings of creation and the beginnings of civilization, and we come to the life of Abram, uh, who is now Abraham. And one of the uh, things that we see about this man, according to scriptures and the testimony of the uh, New Testament, is he was a man of great faith. A man of great faith, but not a man without struggle, like you and I. And we see his struggle throughout the years, and we're going to be coming to chapter 18, but one of the key things to remember is that God called him out of Ur of Chaldea, which is about where Iraq is today, and asked him to journey about a thousand miles to what is Canaan, which is Israel today. And in that place, he said, I'm going to make a nation out of you. And through that nation, all nations would be blessed. All peoples of the world would be blessed. And we know through Abram, uh, who became Abraham, which means father of many nations, that we have two things that we can appreciate uh, this morning. We have the word of God, that God raised up prophets through the Jewish nation Israel. And that's what is our Bible. We have 66. Remember, the Bible has 66 books. It's a book of books. And uh, it begins in Genesis all the way through to the end at Revelation. These 66 books are words from God to us. He spoke to different prophets at different times, at different years, over a period of 1,500 years. And we have one message of unity here. Uh, Truly miraculous. Over 40 authors. Uh, The second thing that we have through the Jewish nation, through Abram, is the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Uh, When we worship Christ, we're really worshiping the King of the Jews, uh, the long-awaited Messiah that uh, God spoke to Abram. He says, through you, all nations will be blessed. And, of course, we see the church universal. When we say the church universal, we mean the church all over the world, Worshiping Christ and many, many coming to salvation uh, to Him. Now, when I share this message and I do it pretty regularly with different people, uh, I was at the hospital last week for a test. I was trying to share a little bit of this with someone, and, and eyes just glazed over. And some of you have had that experience. Uh, it's disheartening because I'm—I believe I do have the Word of God. I do believe I have a message. Of eternal life and salvation. But really cynicism and doubt is one of the most common natural responses of God's invitation to man to put their faith and believe in Him. We doubt and we're cynical because we cannot see it with our eyes. There's this false idea that the only things we can know are the things we can touch feel taste this is called empiricism or an empirical method that only those things that are sensual or the things that are world around me that I can trust but a word from God that I cannot see that I struggle with that is the state of man cynicism I believe cynicism and doubt is rooted in a false sense of confidence In the seen world, Uh, without begging the question, where has the seen come from? Has the seen come from the unseen? And of course, faith's answer is yes. Uh, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. And so faith understands that behind the seen world, there is an unseen world. You know, I think we all heard of the story of the, the man who fell off the side of a mountain while hiking. He rolls down the embankment several hundred feet before grabbing onto a branch on the side of a cliff, hundreds of feet from his death. In desperation, he yells, Oh, God. Surprisingly, he hears a response. Yes, my son, what is it that you want? The man yells back, save me from this cliff. To which God answers, let go of the branch. The guy quickly yells back, what? Again, God tells him, trust me, let go of the branch. The man thinks for a few moments and shouts, is there anyone else up there? (laughs) That's the way human nature is. We want seen not on scene. And like this man, we hear God's promises, his invitation to trust him, and our doubting hearts object. We hear the word of God that invites us to trust in a heavenly father who will take care of us, that we're more important than the flowers of the field, the birds of the air, but our cynical, doubting heart says, is there anyone else out there interestingly you know the UFO uh, extraterrestrial phenomena in our culture today is truly absurd because there's no empirical evidence but people would like to believe that there's some intelligence out there and there's this tremendous amount of of activity online I don't know if you ever uh, looked online but there's this tremendous amount of activity uh, towards extraterrestrials and intelligence. In fact, some of the greatest, most ardent atheists, when they were asked, well, how can you account for all the intelligence, all the design that you see on earth, Richard Dawkins being one of them, his response is, well, they had to be seeded from another intelligence, from outer space or something. So here's a man who teaches at Oxford and is uh, a well, world-renowned atheist, a Apologist for atheism and his response to the design of the world around us, there has to be I'm telling you, we know what that intelligence is. It's God, most High, who spoke and brought things uh, to, to, uh, to creation. So faith, no matter how you look at, as an invitation, go beyond that which we can see, feel, touch, experience. Faith takes us beyond this world to a world described by God Himself in His Word. The world is constantly trying to convince us that only what we see is real. But what, what the Word of God tells us is that the stuff around us will one day be no more and only the Word of God endures forever and the things that God has spoken. So the text we're going to look at this morning shows two responses to God. The first response we'll see in Abraham who responds to God by faith. Who responds to God by faith. It's the greatest characteristics of Abraham who believed God. And scripture says it was accredited to him as righteousness. The second response, his wife, Sarah, who responds with a cynical heart, a doubting heart. She's been injured. She's come, come with... Abraham, all this distance, a family was promised to her and her womb was barren. And now we come to this passage, it's 25 years since God gave this promise that you're going to be a great nation. Well, to have a great nation, you have to at least have a son. And that has yet to happen. And so she, in a way, becomes the ancient doubting Thomas of the Old Testament. One of the the first ancient scientists whose mantra was seeing is believing. And she struggled like so many of us. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, or you can go to the pew, turn to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18, and in the Pew Bibles, it's um, page 12. And stand with me for the reading of God's Word. We're going to look at these first 15 verses. So the Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre. As he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, If I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree, while I bring a morsel of bread, that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you've come to your servant. So they said, do as you've said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three seers of fine flour, knead it, make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. And they said to him, where is Sarah your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him, and now Abraham and Sarah were old. Advanced in years, the way of a woman had ceased to be with her. So Sarah laughed to herself and said, After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did... Sarah laughed and said, Shall I indeed bear a child? Now that I am old. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I'll return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. Father, as we look at these verses of scriptures, we ask for you to speak to our hearts, give us application that our faith may be strengthened, and when we understand the great lessons that we see in the life of Abraham and his wife who struggled. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at Sarah and Abraham, but we're going to begin with Abraham, and there's Three things about Abraham's faith I want us to see together. The first is this, that he worships God. He bows down low to God. These three men was what is known as a Christophany with most likely two angels. We know that because of the way Abraham addresses them and the way he addresses himself. And we're going to get a little bit more into that, but... Here he is worshiping. He's a, he's a man who worshiped God. He's also a man to serve God. We see him scaring about and making sure their needs were provided for. And finally, we see a great passion about the things of God. So these three things let us look at. In, beginning in the first three verses, we see how faith worships and has a humble, receptive heart. Abraham, a man of faith, greets God with an attitude of worship. Worship in humility. We see this in his words and action. Look at verse 2. We see him hairy, and when he understood God was presence, the first thing he did was bow low to the ground. Now, in the original language, another way of translating this is he was so awestruck by the presence of God, he graveled in the dirt. Abraham had an attitude of worship that was shown by his reverent response. Worship is our first duty before God. In a way, it's a way of acknowledging truly who God is. Worship is our way of saying, God, I know you've created the heavens and the earth. God, I know that you created me. God, I know you have purposes for me. God, I know you're a God of love. God, I know you're faithful and that you'll uh, do what you say you'll do. And so worship is an acknowledgement of who God is in our right response to him John Piper author and pastor describes worship this way it's an inward feeling shown by an outward action that reflects the worth of God but what does it mean to reflect the worth of God you know when we understand that God's creator of the universe in our very souls when we understand that God is all-powerful all-knowing all-present then a right response to him is ascribe worth to him and grovel in his presence. You know, Sunday morning, this morning we gather, I believe is an ideal time to express this. We call this a worship service. (laughs) A time in a week we give our hearts to God and seek to be renewed and refreshed through singing and preaching of the word. I, I, I have to say something about church attendance here. Why is it so important for us to come regularly to church? Uh, it's not like uh, I grew up in a church where it says, you know, if you didn't do that, it was a, I think, a mean, venial sin. And it was, you know, one mark against my soul. That's not, not why we do it. So that we can stand right before God. We stand right before God because Jesus died for our sins. No other reason. But we come now because we need to be reminded of the things of God. We need to be reminded in the busyness of our life and all its chaos and all the things that life throws at us, we need to be reminded of what true north looks like. I don't know about you, but if I'm not reminded continually, I have a tendency to drift south or west or east. And so when we hear the Word of God we worship and connect it's like a refueling time so that our Mondays through Saturdays we we, we're reminded of why we're here on earth otherwise we lose our way in verse 2 if you look at uh, Abrams response to the Lord he bows down low in verse 3 we see this in his speech when he says listen to what he said to the Lord If I found favor in your eyes, O Lord, do not pass me by. Do not pass your servant by. In other words, Lord, please, I need you to be here with me. I love you. Stay here with me. Have you ever longed and thirsted for the presence of God? That's what we pray for every day, every Sunday, when uh, the pastors pray. We pray that his presence would be made known amongst us so that we walk out of here richer, fuller, uh, more than when we walked in because of who he is. You know, this isn't the first time in the life of Abraham that we see a posture worship. Going back to the beginning when we see Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis, after God appeared to Abraham, confirmed his covenant to make Abram into a great nation, Abraham built an altar and the scripture says he worshipped. Later on, chapter 13, when he returns from Egypt as a broken, changed man, remember his sojourn to Egypt, God brings him back. The first thing Abram did was to go back to the place where he was at the beginning, that same altar, and he called upon the name of the Lord. When Abram moved further east after his conflict with his nephew Lot, he built another altar and worshipped again. In chapter 14, when he rescues Lot, from an invading hostile army of four kingdoms, we read that Abraham greeted the high priest Melchizedek, remember? And a type of Christ. And he worshipped by giving a tenth, a tithe of everything he owned. In chapter 15, we see an entire chapter devoted to Abram's worship and prayer with God. Chapter 17, we see Abram falling on his face two times when God showed up to renew his covenant. Worship, worship, worship. He knew how to put God in his proper place. I would pray that you would be a people of worship, that we would be a people of worship, not just Sunday for this hour and a half, but from this point on when we leave this place, that we would recognize the beauty of a fall day like this. He gets the glory. That meal that you enjoy is a gift from him. The money you earn, the job that you have, It's his grace that you may be provided for. The family that you have, the person who loves you, stands by your side, it's a gift from God. And and when we recognize that every one of these things that God has given us is gifts, we worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for, for have you blessed me. And oh, it's such a sad life to live alone, isn't it? But when we have the Lord, we're not alone. Every godly man or woman is characterized by an attitude of worship that's ultimately shown by some action. Where are you in your heart to God this morning? I ask that question. Do you feel close to him? Or is he far away? If you know that he's the creator of your soul, that he is the one who gave you the air to breathe, the food to eat, the health you have, the family, all these things, a right response is Lord God Almighty, the Lord. So we see Abram first is a man who worshiped. When we get to verses 4 and 8 in chapter 18, we see that he's so quick to serve. And I love this about Abram in this text. You read through the text and we see Abraham willing to wash the feet of his visitors. Sound familiar? Remember when Jesus washed the disciples' feet? He served them from the best of what he had. It says a choice calf, not just any calf, the, the best one in the flock. Uh, talking about these three men, let me just share a little bit more about that. The text goes back and forth in calling these three men, then the Lord. Three men and then the Lord. The text is clear that these men are more than just mere men. I believe and most commentators believe that this, these three men are Jesus, which would be a Christophany, an Old Testament revelation. Jesus the Lord, the angel of the Lord, with two angelic beings. And we see this also in the beginning of chapter 19 when two angels of the three here go ahead to Sodom and Gomorrah to rescue Lot before God destroyed that place. Throughout the Old Testament, we see Jesus or these Christophanies appear on a number of occasions in the likeness of a man in a pre-incarnate state. In the New Testament, interestingly, we see Jesus with two angelic beings on two different occasions. When he's resurrected, the tomb where he was resurrected from, there are two angelic beings at the tomb uh, to greet the ladies who showed up. In Acts, when Jesus ascended back to heaven there are two angelic beings to speak to the disciples. So Abraham understood who was before him and, when, and his response was to serve the Lord. To serve the Lord. Uh, you know, I believe a willingness to serve in some way is a reflection about our heart of faith to the things of God. Uh, Jesus put it this way, it's more blessed to give then receive. God, who is generous, God, who is a giver, has designed us in his image to also be givers. So if I'm a taker, I'm not living to my true potential. That's why even in secular counseling, when they find a depressed person, they'll say, go and serve in some way the community. They go out in the community, soup kitchen, whatever they may do, they serve, they feel better. Why? Because that's the way God's designed us to be. He's designed us to be servants just as he serves. And Jesus Christ came not to be served, Scripture says, but to serve. And so that pattern is given to us and we see this in Abram's life. You know, Jesus warns us on a number of occasions in the Gospels how we can discern the difference between a true believer and one who falsely claims to have faith in God. Listen to... Uh, one of the uh, short parables he gives us in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter uh, 7. He says this, A good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, neither can a bad tree bear good fruit. A rather simple teaching, isn't it? But but if my life is a a reflection of toxicity, gossip, selfishness, petty revenge or petty grievances against people and all the cachet of uh, negative things that our hearts can generate. It shows that I'm not really rooted in the vine. I'm not close to the Lord. And so Christ throws that warning out. This is what a true believer looks like. On another occasion, Jesus told us that the kingdom of God would be like wheat that grows along tares. Tares look like wheat, but they have no sustenance. They have no uh, kernels in them. And and the farmer doesn't know this until he harvests, and he separates the tares from the wheat. And Jesus' point is clear, that the the wheat has substance. The tares do not. On another occasion, Matthew 25, Jesus told us that the final judgment would be like a farmer who separates herds of goat and sheep. True believers are those who claim faith. How do we know who they are? We know by um, their fruit of mercy, their willingness to serve and sacrifice for others. So Jesus asked this question before all these parables in Matthew 24. Who is the wise and faithful servant? The answer is the one who God finds doing what he should be doing, right? Right? What, is she, what should that person be doing? Serving. Serving the cause of God. It's interesting, uh, Arthur Burns, a Jewish economist of great influence in Washington in the 70s, of a couple presidents, was once asked to pray at a gathering of evangelical born-again believers. And stunning his hosts, he prayed this way, Lord, I pray the Jews would come to know Jesus Christ. And I pray that the Buddhists would come to know Jesus Christ. And I pray that the Muslims would come to know Jesus Christ. And then most stunning of all, Lord, I pray that Christians would come to know Jesus Christ. Abraham was a man of, of service and sacrifice. as shown by his uh, life. The last thing we see in Abraham is he was passionate. He was passionate about the things of God. He was excited about the things of God. I love this passage because we have a 99-year-old man. He's 99 at this point who's running, harrying, scuttling, and excited uh, about God's presence. By the way, if you see me harrying, scuttling, running, just tell me, Joe, slow down. You're going to hurt yourself. In... Verse 2, we see Abraham hurrying from his tent. Verse 6, we see Abraham hurrying back to the tent, telling Sarah to prepare a meal. In fact, he t- tells her do it quickly. In verse 7, he runs to the herd to select a choice tender calf. He hurried, he ran, he tells his wife to prepare a meal quickly. Abraham is excited about the things of God. Then look at the verse 8, the end of verse 8. After serving, Abraham continues to take a posture of a servant and stands while they eat. That's the posture of a servant. Any other needs you may have, I'm here to tend to it. He is ready to serve more and receive more of the word of God. And then God drops the bombshell on Abraham and Sarah in verse 10. Look at verse 10. I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Of course, what makes this amazing so unbelievable is that Abraham is 99 and Sarah is 90. Romans chapter 4 verses 18 through 21 gives us a beautiful commentary on this This, this exact verse. Listen to what Romans teaches us. It says this. This is the NIV now. Against all hope, Abraham in belie- Abraham hope believed. I love that. Where are you at this morning? Are you struggling with hope, faith? Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith, gave glory to God, being persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Wow. That's just awesome. He was persuaded by faith that God had the power to do what he had promised. If you have your Bibles open and you're looking at Romans, you need to underline that part of the verse because that's downright awesome right there. He's a man of faith. His faith was shown by worship. He was shown by groveling before the presence of God. He understood who God is. His faith was shown by sacrifice and servant to it. And now we see his faith give energy to a 99-year-old man because Scripture tells us he was persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. That's faith. What about Sarah? I don't want to pick on Sarah because it wasn't easy for her. We see cynicism and doubt. You know, it isn't the first time that Sarah struggled, by the way. If you go back to chapter 16, remember when she jumped the gun and gave Abraham her servant Hagar? And he did have a son through Hagar, and that was Ishmael. And Ishmael became the father of the Arabic nations who are still enemies of the people of God to this day. But we see her cynicism carried out with certain attitudes and actions. And there's three things in her life I want to see. First, she stood at a distance with God. Secondly, she laughs or takes lightly the word of God. And then finally, her doubt results in fear. Let's look at these three things about her doubting heart. Cynicism, doubt stands at a distance from God. Look at verse 10. Someone argue that Sarah was standing a distance within her tent because of cultural reasons. I don't accept that because I spent 12 years in the Middle East and Asia serving as mission, in missions and also traveling, even before I knew the Lord. And one thing I've always seen with Muslim, Jewish, Hindu, Buddhist cultures is the woman would remain in the background, but she always would greet the guests as a... Uh, Act of respect and honor. We don't get a sense of that at all. A doubting, cynical heart always stands at a distance with God. Some telltale signs of a cynical heart are statements like, whatever works for you is good. That's the response I got from this lady in the hospital. No, I'm trying to tell you it's, it's good for everyone. People don't like to hear that, an exclusive message that's from God. Another statement, you have your way and I have mine. No, no, there's only one way, one truth, one life. That's through the person of Jesus Christ. Another one, I'm really glad for you. Actually, they're not. They're saying, I wish this guy would get out of here and stop nudging me with uh, this gospel message. Uh, which is another way of dismissing your claim to truth. Cynicism at its root says, look, I can't touch it. I can't feel it. I can't see it. I can't measure it. I can't experience it. I will never believe it. Cynicism in faith is always at odds with uh, with uh, cynicism and doubt, is always at odds with faith and pushes us further from God, not towards Him. Be- best way to illustrate this is human relationships. You know, in families or friendships, when we're spending time with people and we're close to people, trust increases, does it not? But what happens when a relationship becomes distant? Sometimes, When it becomes distant, uh, distrust enters. And we begin to not have that closeness that we used to have. And so, human relations is a good way of um, measuring it. God's cure for the cynical, doubting heart is to spend time with Him. Simple. How do we spend time with God? Going back to 101, there's only two ways. Well, there's several ways you can spend time. We're spending time with God right now. His presence is here. We're talking about his word. We're singing. Another way is you need to pick up your Bible and begin to read it. You say, I don't understand it. Well, I'm going to give you one book that you can start reading, the Gospel of John, and just start reading it. Get a notebook out. Make some notes and say, I'm going to start reading it and try to understand the word of God. As you read the word of God, you're going to start to sense his presence. Another way is praying. And I'm not talking about praying when you hop in the car. You know, when I grew up, uh, what was the statue that we used to put on the car to protect us? St. Anthony, is it? Christopher, Christopher thank you. I, I see, I'm, I'm like a bad Catholic anymore. <laughs> so, you know, we get in the car and go like that. To That's going to bring us a safe journey. Didn't work one time. We lost. We were somehow. My mother was dishing out hot dogs in the car to all the kids on the way to something. Don't ask me what we were doing. And a, a hot dog slipped down on the ground. And she reached down and took. Got an accident. Saint Christopher didn't help us that day. So we spend time with him by prayer. We heartfelt prayer. Spending time with him, where we. Take that 5, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, even a half hour, where we pray for our families, we pray for our church, we pray for our nation, we pray for ourselves. We spend time in his word. But cynicism and doubt uh, also laugh and mock at the things of God. Look at verse 11 with me. Abraham and Sarah are already well, it says, uh, already old, well advanced in years, and Sarah is past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself and thought, after I'm worn out, my master's old, will I now have this pleasure? Uh, one of the telltale signs the Bible talks about of a cynical, unbelieving heart is when we look lightheartedly without reverence to the things of God. Uh, one of the truths we've been reflecting on since the beginning of our studies is how Abraham, in the vision that God gave him, um, would take it seriously enough that he would leave Ur of Chaldea and travel a thousand miles. That's seriousness, my friend. The opposite of that is to to take it lightly and do nothing about it. That's why scripture says, if today you hear his voice, do not what? Who wants to finish it for me? Some of your scholars out there. Hebrews. Don't harden your heart. That's this. Receive it. God will show his purpose for us, that He's created us and wants to give us a purpose to be light, salt, to influence the world for Him. If we kind of chuckle or take it lightheartedly, He's never going to have access to us to transform us, to change us. And we remain unchanged, and that's a terrible thing. Last thing about Sarah, about her doubting heart look at verses 13 through 15. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Will I really have a child now that I'm old? And another one of these, there's just these gold nuggets, I call them in these scriptures. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Well, if you said yes, then that shows something about your deficiency in knowledge about who God is. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at this time next year and you will have a son. And Sarah was afraid, so she said, I did not laugh. But God said, yes, you did laugh. You know, this is one of the final arguments of the cynic. When they are asked, is anything too hard for the Lord? They're going to say, well, I don't know. Does he even exist? I haven't experienced his presence. A hard unbelief is, is in fear of the unknown. It's fear that pushes us towards falsehood and pushes us to depend on ourselves instead of depending on the creator of the heavens and the earth. We convince ourselves that if life is going to get better, if things are going to improve, then I have to take matters in my own hands. When I do that, I am carrying a load that I can never bear. If it's all on me, my happiness, my joy, my provision, my family, all the things that are dear, if it's all on me, I have to be a burdened person because I was never designed to carry it. God says, I want to carry it for you as you walk by faith in me. And when we allow Him to carry it, our joy increases. Our fear decreases. Our anxiety decreases. And we have the peace of God in our lives because we know there's one who takes care of us. One that nothing is too difficult for. Is God who created the heaven and the earth your Lord this morning? That would be my final question as we finish up. Is he your Lord? When I say Lord, is he everything to you? Are you willing to get on the the ground to worship him? Are you willing to serve? Are you excited about the things of God? God wants to ignite a passion in you for him. But you have to turn to him. You have to trust him. And when you do that, he's there to greet us and to give us everything we need and more and more. And more. Jesus put it this way. I am the door. Everyone who comes through me will be saved. And they'll go in and out and find green pasture. For I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Is that not an awesome promise? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture, your goodness as we sang about just a few minutes ago, in the many, many promises of Scripture that you'll take care of us. Help us, Lord. Help us in our unbelief to trust you more and to learn to rest in the everlasting promises of God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the previous message. We pray that you were blessed by it. For more information, please visit us at www.ibcnj.org.